Good morning and welcome to Soul Sanctuary. Uh, we're thrilled that you have joined us on this beautiful, beautiful Sunday morning. Uh, it's fall time. Anybody down with the changing colors? Oh, just a couple of us love nature. Hey, thanks. Thank you over there for loving nature with me. Uh, uh, again, I said, my name is Jordan. I pastor our high school students here. And uh, this morning is a good morning. Uh, number one, it's good because we are here together. And number two, it's good because it's our Life Group Launch Sunday. And from this point going forward, we are talking about Life Groups this morning. And we have a, a lot of exciting things uh, that are happening on, on, the, on the front of Life Groups that I'm excited to share with you. Uh, before I do that, though, just quickly, Soul Dance. Uh, this Wednesday is Soul Dance kickoff. If you are interested in joining a team of dancers who absolutely love to dance, who do life together, you're going to want to find Kayla right here who's waving. Long, blonde, curly hair. She's going to be at the uh, welcome desk at the end of the gathering. Anyways, that's Soul Dance. If you were here with us last week, your experience would probably have been uh, quite radically different, dependent on if you were here in the first gathering or if you were here in the second gathering. In the first gathering, we celebrated uh, the baptism of six young people in our community, and we had an absolute party while doing it. We watched their stories as they told about how God has changed their lives, and then we dunked them here on stage and celebrated their new life in Christ. If you were here in the second gathering last week, uh, you would have heard from Pastor Jerry as he summarized our vision, our renewed vision of no God, no freedom, no purpose, and make a difference. And then he continued on to, to start outlining the blueprint for seeing this vision come to life. And that blueprint that he outlined started in intentional community. And intentional community is where we're going this week. And then it's where we're going next week as well. As we seek to, or we have already this summer outlined the vision of where this place is going, where this community is going. But we don't just outline the vision and leave it there. We, we give a blueprint for how we're going to get there. We put steps into place. And this morning we talk about life groups. So before we go any further, would you join me in a word of prayer? Father, I thank you. I thank you for each person who's donned the doorway of Soul Sanctuary this morning, who's donned the doorway of churches across Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, our continent, our world. Father, you're doing something in hearts and lives. It's in your nature. And so this morning, my prayer for the people of this community, Lord, is that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you change us. God, that you draw us closer towards you, and you draw us closer towards godly community. We thank you. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. And amen. Now, a quick show of hands in here. How many of you, as kids growing up, you had basements in your house? Anybody have basements? All right. Basements are kind of a weird thing. They're a hole in the ground that somebody lives in. You ever thought about that? Or maybe you just go and hang out down there. And they're often cold and dark, and they're prone in Manitoba to fill with water. Anybody know what I'm saying, right? I, I mean, I can remember uh, growing up in my parents' house, and there was one day where there was water just seeping through, and we, we found it in kind of like our uh, electrical or boiler room or whatever it was. Uh, we found water seeping through, just absolutely ruining 
everything. And this is the, the uh, above, directly above where the water was coming from. The, the hose had blown off the washing machine and just kind of went for a, a, a Ferris wheel ride. And of course, the cycle finishes an hour later and there's water everywhere in the basement. You laugh because you've probably been there. And now basements are, they're this weird, dark, cold, funny little space that we have in our houses. I mean, on a, on a side note, completely not in my notes, but this reminds me how weird basements are. Uh, so my wife and I, we recently bought a house, and uh, we take possession this week, which is pretty exciting. Um, I guess that's my formal public announcement. I didn't even hear that on Instagram yet. But uh, So we, we have a house, and uh, in the basement of our house, there's like a hot tub right in the middle of the basement, built into the wall. And we were like, we, we saw the photos and we're like, oh my gosh, this house is checking off all our boxes. Like, it's everything we ever dreamt it to be. And then we scrolled and it was like, why is there a hot tub in the basement? Anyways, basements are weird, right? There was a massage table down there too when we saw the house and they're not massage therapists. I don't know. All right, we're going to leave it right there. Okay. Basements, they're cold, they're dark, and they're also irrationally scary, all right? They are irrationally scary, and maybe some of you know this. Uh, when I was growing up, I had brothers, and we would play video games down in the basement. And then mom or dad or somebody would call from upstairs, and we would have to go up the stairs, drop our controllers, and do whatever mom and dad are asking us to do. Maybe it was homework, maybe it was time to eat, uh, whatever it was. And so here's how it often played out. We're playing Xbox or something, and then we hear the call uh, from my father. He just whistled, and we like turned on a dime, right? We were just like a pack of dogs, four boys. He'd whistle, we'd come up the stairs, and it was the, the person who dropped their controller last was responsible for turning off the console, turning off the lights, and of course, coming up the stairs last. Now, for whatever reason in my memory, and it could be childhood trauma, but I remember that it was always me who had to turn off the lights last and turn off the console. So what that looked like was the whistle or the, hey, come on upstairs. It would happen. My brothers would drop everything. They'd take off up the stairs. I would quickly turn off the console, turn off the TV, grab all the lights, and then there was one light at the base of the stairs. This light was controlled from the upstairs. So my brothers would run up the stairs, flick the upstairs light, close the door, and put their weight up against it. Well, I would run up in an absolute panic straight up the stairs, banging on the door, because I am in a cold, empty, dark, irrationally scary basement by myself. Anybody been there with me this morning? Now, those moments, a panic came over me that I've never experienced before. I had this fear that somebody, there were, there were spindles on, on the stairs, I think that's the word for them, going up, so like, like little bars that held the railing, and I had this fear that there was somebody in the basement, of course we had just been in the basement for hours, there's nobody else down there with us, we stunk like boys, there was nobody down there with us, but I had this fear that somebody would reach through the spindles and grab my ankles while I ran up the stairs, so when I ran up the stairs, I did high knees as fast as I could, it was a soccer warm-up, right? And then, of course, when you get to that door and it's blocked, the panic just sets in. There's some sort of monster down there. I'm sure of it, and it's going to get my ankles. Now, when my brothers didn't want to be mean, I have to admit, I'm sure I did that to my brothers at some point, too. It's just not in my memory. But when they didn't want to be mean, we would turn off the console, turn off the TV. Somebody would grab this bank of lights. Somebody would grab that bank of lights. 
and then the light right at the top of the stairs stayed on because nobody raced to turn it off and close the door. And what did we do? We walked up the stairs into the warmth of the outside and we walked together. And there was no fear in those moments. There was no fear that the mysterious person in the basement, <laughs> the dweller, the lurker, would grab our ankles. Why? Because it was light and we were together. And so there's something about basements that maybe you've experienced or maybe that this doesn't quite connect with you. However, what does connect with us is that there are times in our lives, for all of us, when we are in dark and cold places. <laughs> doesn't that sound like Winnipeg in the wintertime? But apart from that, where our hearts are dark and cold. And this hits each one of us. This is a part of the human experience. There are times where our hearts are dark and cold. And fear begins to set in. And there is panic. And oftentimes, it's illogical fears that begin to set in. And this leads me to a conclusion. That when things are brought to light, and when we do life with other people, Fear is erased. It teaches us a simple truth that you can't do life alone. This is one of our core values at Wildlife Youth, and if I have spoken on anything uh, in the last 12 months, uh, or there's no other topic that I have preached the last 12 months more than the fact that you cannot do life alone. And when we begin to understand that we can't do life alone, we begin to experience the liberation that community brings. And not just any community, but Christ-like community. The community that God planned for each of us. And when we say you can't do life alone, we don't kind of just throw it out there as a cliche. We don't throw it out there as it like looks good on the wall kind of saying that you would frame and put it in your house. We say it because the scripture teaches it. We say it because we mean it. And we say it because people doing life alone is a chronic problem in our society today. You can't do life alone is a deeply biblical statement. It's a deeply theological statement. And this morning we're going to break it down together as to what exactly it means. So, Soul Sanctuary, we were created for community. This is inherent to who we are as human beings. We were created for community. All human beings were created as social beings. There is something deep within you, something innate within you that craves relationships. It doesn't matter where you are on the scale of introvert to extrovert. You crave relationships. You were created for relationships. Genesis 2. 15 to 18. If you're with me, it's up on the screen. It's also on your iPhone somewhere. The Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. 
I will make a helper suitable for him. And then what God did is he brought all the animals to Adam. But among the animals, as Adam named them, no suitable helper was found. And so causing Adam to fall into a deep sleep, God took a rib from Adam. And from that rib, he crafted woman. So right from the outset of creation, God knows that it is not good for man to be alone. That among all the animals, among all the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, there was no suitable companion for Adam that was not another human being. The, right from the outset of creation, God knew this. And he intended this, not just for Adam, but for you and me. See, Adam and Eve, uh, their partnership has obviously profound biological consequences, right? We're all here today. Uh, there, there's the ability for humans to procreate because Adam and Eve come together. But there is also implications uh, relationally. Adam and Eve, later in Genesis, it's described that they were with each other, they were naked among each other, and that they felt no shame. There's something important here. Catch it. The fact is, is that they knew each other deeply. And don't we have that desire? We're created to know others deeply and to be deeply known. It's in us. And Adam and Eve, they, they modeled it right from the beginning of creation. And in today's age, vulnerability and intimacy is often scoffed at. To be real and to open up your heart is often met, not with welcoming emotions, but we have a, 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 among men a stereotype for sure, is this macho attitude, right? That guys don't cry or guys don't let people in. I mean, I cry all the time. Ask my wife. But, but isn't this true? That we have this barrier that we put up and we say, uh-uh, I'm going to guard my heart. And the stereotype for women is the only time that they truly uh, uh, get, get real and get open is when they're a bottle of wine deep, right? I mean, you laugh, so it's not a stereotype. It's the truth, apparently. <laughs> Yet in the scripture, we see a beautiful representation from the outset of creation of Adam and Eve knowing each other deeply and being deeply known. And in their community, it was with each other and with God. They walked with God in the garden. And this is the way that God intended it, of course, before sin. So our first stop this morning on this ride of, of godly community is... Do we have godly community in our lives? You need to ask yourself this question. Do you have godly community in your life? Understanding that this is something you were created for. Is it there? Is it present? I'm not sure what your church background is, but here at Soul Sanctuary, believe it or not, this is classified as a large church. It's great. I get, I get to talk with people uh, from all different church backgrounds. And some people, you know, they come from like um, some small German town in Manitoba. Give it up for all the German towns in Manitoba. Uh, they come from small German town in Manitoba, and their church growing up was like 25 people. The same 25 people over and over and over again. And then, of course, there's people who come from big cities to Winnipeg, and, and they've been at, at churches that have 10,000 people. Uh, but the average church in North America isn't growing past 75 people. So the fact that you are in a room with well over 75 people this morning means that we are sitting amongst a large community. 
And so if Soul Sanctuary is a large church, how are we supposed to cultivate godly, deep, intimate relationships when we have so many people? When you can show up on a Sunday and just be absolutely covert. You can talk to nobody except for the greeter that forces a high five or a handshake on you, right? You can come into this place completely unknown. You can ghost your way in and ghost your way out. So if this is the culture we have on a Sunday, how on earth are we supposed to be able to experience the kind of relationships that we were created for? We believe as a church that we must grow larger and smaller at the same time. We grow larger because we will do whatever we can to reach as many people as we can with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. But we also have to grow smaller. We have to facilitate meaningful connections and build relationships among people in this community. And the way that we do that is through life groups. Life groups are groups of 10 to 12 people who meet regularly and they spend time together. Uh, some life groups are, are dedicated specifically to the study of the Bible and to spiritual growth, while others are dinner clubs who come together to eat, to talk, and to intentionally pray for one another. Now you might take a couple steps back and be like, hey, that's cool, life groups, cool concept, but I've got my crew. I've got the people. I don't need any more friends. I have my, my, my people that I hang with. I definitely don't need a life group. That's just another night of my week that you're taking up with time, church. And you may have your crew and you may have your friends. That's true. But are they the kind of people that you open your soul to? Are they the kind of people that you truly have genuine Christ-like community with? the type of community that we're going to talk about this morning is modeled through the scripture. Do you have this with your crew or the people that you spend the most time with? We may have relationships of relative trust. We have relationships definitely of comfort. But you need to ask yourself whether or not these are the right relationships for you to be investing your soul into. I remember when I was in uh, high school, I mean, I have my crew, as most high school students do in one way or another. I have my squad. We did everything together. But not one of the people in that group cared about the condition of my heart. They cared as to whether or not I'd go smash pumpkins with them the day after Halloween. That's what they cared about. And so you need to ask yourself, are the people that you surround yourself with concerned about your walk with God? Are they regularly pushing you to be closer to God? That leads us into our second point this morning, which is that we crave genuine relationships. And the logical thought here is quite simple. I mean, if you were created for community, it just makes sense that you crave genuine relationships. It's in you. Your soul deeply desires to be unified with others on a deep, personal level. If you are a human being walking on this earth, if you have a heartbeat in you still, you crave relationships. Uh, you and I, we, we crave a deep belonging like Adam and Eve had together with God. We want friendships. We long for them. 
I can remember a season, real talk, real quick. My wife and I, when we, when our number one prayer, our number one prayer to God was for genuine, deep, and real friendships that were free from judgment and filled with love. Have you been at a point in your life where you have called out to God for friendships, for deep friendships, where your desperation to be known was so great that you screamed to God, Lord, where are those people? They've got to be here somewhere. I know I have. And this church is too big, with too many people and too many screaming kids on a Sunday morning for you to find those people between 909 and 1045. It's too big. It doesn't happen seven minutes getting a cup of coffee. I mean, it's a great start, don't get me wrong. But there has to be something deeper. If we're truly going to know God, if we're truly going to know freedom, if we're going to know purpose, and if we're going to make a difference, it starts by having a crew. It starts by having people that you can invest into and that will invest into you. And I'm sorry, but it's not going to happen just on Sunday morning. Where does it happen then? It happens in coffee shops. It happens when sharing a meal around a table. It happens in homes. It happens on walks in the neighborhood together. There is an intentionality that is required for relationships to grow. Pastor Jerry talked about this second gathering last week. He, he outlined seven different attributes that, that are necessary for community to take place. And one of them is being intentional. We can't just stand around and, and, and just wait for the community to happen. Because it doesn't happen. We have to be intentional, especially, and all the more intentional, when we are fighting against a culture that is only pushing individuality. Soul Sanctuary is not a church with life groups. We are a church of life groups. We are a church of life groups. Hear me closely. We don't offer life groups as a ministry for people who can't make friends on their own. That's not what life groups are about. Life groups are, are the community, the collective of Soul Sanctuary, coming together and saying, we will facilitate meaningful connections among people in this community. That we will do what we can to help people, a blueprint for progress and seeing the vision come to life, we will help people make those connections. We will, as a community, be like the church in Acts 5.42, that we will meet day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, and that we will never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. That's what life groups are about. And if you're showing up here on Sundays, again, expecting to get into this community and expecting to meet people and to have intentional relationships and you're not plugged in to a life group, I wish you good luck. Because it's going to be really, really difficult. I mean, it's not impossible, but it's going to be really, really difficult. The nature of this place on a Sunday morning in the time that we pack our gathering in is not intentional or is not conducive for deep, 
long-lasting, meaningful relationships. We come together on a Sunday for a couple reasons. One of them is to celebrate the goodness of God together. One of them is to support each other in prayer. Another of them is to receive teaching from the Word. And, and in the mandate of Sunday morning experience, as we have it outlined, there is not room for deep, intentional relationship. There's the starting point for it. But if you know anything about relationships, they take a long time to foster. And they take intentionality. They take us leaving this place and still choosing to pursue those relationships. Now, there's a beautiful reconstitution of the created order that occurs when people bear their souls to one another in true life-giving community, in genuine community, in intimate community. When we come around a common interest and we seek Christ together, this is the created order being restored. And finally, this morning, we were uh, created for community. We crave those genuine relationships. And we're destined for growth. It's in yours and my DNA that we grow from a child to an adult without much effort. Give us food, give us water, give us shelter, and we're going to grow and mature physically. However, we will not mature emotionally. We will not mature spiritually or mentally without a community to refine us. This is the basic principle of the human existence. Teachers teach the children. They don't teach the children how to grow. They might give the apple so the student grows. But they teach the children to learn. They teach the children how to resolve conflict. They teach the children to grow mentally, emotionally. And even spiritually. And that's what the church here is for. And we believe that life change happens in the context of relationships. There's no doubt about it in our mind. I've seen it over and over and over again. And I could tell you story after story after story of genuine life change. Of people taking their next steps in faith because of the support of a godly community. And we believe that, that every person is created with a God-given potential inside of them to make a difference in this world. And so if we go back to our vision for a second, life groups are a place where you can come to know God. If you're on this, this Christian faith journey, you're trying to figure things out, you're not sure exactly who God is, or you're just learning more about Him, I mean, if you want to learn more about God, surround yourself with people who know God. Learn from others in the community. And so if we're going to know God and truly have relationship with God, then we need to surround ourselves with other people who do. Life groups are a place where you can come to know freedom. In James 5.16, it says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Are you aware of the liberation that comes to your soul when you share the deepest and darkest parts of your being with another human? I mean, some of you don't know that liberation. And every day, your existence is reliving the darkness of your past because you've never shared it with anybody. You know you're trapped in sin. 
that something's got its hooks into you and you relive that day after day and you live in the reality of your darkness because you have never confessed your sin to another human being. I mean, I I, I speak from my personal experience too. The liberation that will come when you open and share what's going on in your life. This is the way that God intended it. You're not meant to keep your suffering, to keep your coldness and your darkness inside. You're meant to open up and to share with others. We are social beings. We were created for this. We crave this. And a part of this will lead us to growth. When we begin to understand that we can share the dark and the ugly parts of ourselves with others, we will grow. We'll grow out of that darkness. We will come to find freedom. Life groups are the place where light shines on darkness in your life. Where the powers of darkness lose ground to the power of godly community. Life groups are a place where you will come to know your purpose. And we believe that life groups are places of spiritual refuge. That they are communities based in the grace of God. Communities which facilitate repair for those who are hurting, and communities which will rejuvenate, equip, and empower you to identify and fulfill the plans that God has for your life. We say that God has a plan for your life. Again, we don't say it flippantly. We mean it. I truly believe from what I read in the scripture that God has a plan for your life. That he hasn't left you just to walk around aimlessly and then to die. Our God is involved in our existence here now. God didn't create and withdraw himself. But he's here. And he desires your heart to draw close to him. And in that, we begin to identify and fulfill the purpose that he has for us. And finally, life groups are a place where you come to make a difference. A real, lasting, tangible difference difference when you carry each other's burdens when you give of your time of your treasure of your talents when you share in the life the death and the resurrection of Jesus with others when you come to know what it means to follow God you begin to change and in that change you begin to impact those around you And you make a real lasting difference in this world. King Solomon shares with us some wisdom in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verses 9 to 12. This is good. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has nobody to help them up. Pity the person who has to shut off the lights at the bottom of the basement and run up the stairs while the monsters grab their ankles. You know what I'm saying? Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. How can one keep warm alone? Though one might become overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. When there's two, when there's three, when there's a group of people, you get each other's backs. You are supporting one another. You're defending one another. 
You're keeping each other warm in Winnipeg winters. This is what community is about. This is what life groups are about. Somebody's got your back and you've got somebody else's. You comfort each other in times of loss. You support one another when support is needed. This is it. This is community. Lived out. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. When you do life with other people, it's going to make you a better person. It is going to refine you. I mean, this, this journey, this walk that we're all on, it's not about becoming a, a better person or a good person, don't get me wrong, but allowing somebody else to stab you in the front. This is what we say all the time at youth. We say true friends stab you in the front, right? They don't go behind your back and stab you in the back gossiping about you. No, they stab you right in the front. They look you in the eye and they say, you've given me permission to invest into you. And this is what needs to happen in your life. There needs to be correction. There needs to be discipline. And I love you enough to tell it to your face. And this happens in community. And this is scary. This frightens us. I mean, when my friends come to me and they're like, hey, we need to talk, I'm like, shoot. And we sit down over a cup of coffee and they lovingly give me a word of correction. I mean, it's the last thing I want to hear. You know, I just want you to say, no, Jordan, you're so great. Jordan, you're awesome. But that's not real. That's not community. That's loving my mask. And if my mask is the only thing getting the love, then the person underneath it's receiving nothing. So we stab each other in the front in community, in love. We stab in love. Here at Soul Sanctuary, we are devoted to the gospel. And we are devoted to living the good news out. Not just here on Sundays, but every day of the week. And I assume you're sitting in here because you share that same devotion to not just be a Sunday Christian, but to, to truly have this impact every area of your life, to experience God in new ways. And so, with that being said, James reminds us in the scriptures that we need to listen to the word and understand the gospel, but then we need to do what it says, that we need to live this out, that we don't just hear it and then ignore it, and it never changes us. So, we look to the example of the church in Acts 4, 42 to 47. It says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, and to breaking of bread, and to prayer. They came together. This is what they did. They learned. They chatted about life. They ate together. This is what the church is. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. So much so that they sold their property and their possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added daily to their number who were being saved. This is funny. They didn't organize themselves into tract distribution teams in order for people to come to know Christ. They didn't have a huge evangelistic effort where they said, we're going to go reach lost people and people are going to come to know Christ. 
I mean, those are good things, but what did they do? They lived godly community. They ate together and they invited people who were eating alone to eat at their table. They prayed together and they invited the hurting and lost and broken person to come pray with them. The Lord added to their number. Every day, people who came to know the life-saving power of Jesus Christ. It was people who were created for community but hadn't found it yet. It was people who craved those genuine relationships but they couldn't find them. It was people who desired to grow but they didn't have the right people in their life pushing them closer to God to make that growth happen. These people saw godly community modeled in the early church and the Lord brought them in. The only thing that the church had to do was to be full of people who loved Christ and lived that out. That's what they did. They loved Jesus and they lived that out among them. We read about people who came to know God. We read about people who came to know freedom, who came to know purpose, and who ultimately made a difference, a lasting difference that we read about to this day because of how that community operated. From our sports groups here at Soul Sanctuary, to our dinner groups, to our mom groups, to our student groups, Bible study groups, creative art groups, life groups are as varied as we are. But they hold some important similarities. Every group, whether it's the Barcelona soccer team, or, or maybe it's a supper club or a Bible study, all that these groups hold in common is they commit to pray with and for each other every time they meet. So we may gather around a common interest, but we commit to pray with and for each other. We're going to come together like the followers of Jesus did, and we're going to support one another, and we are going to actively practice and be intentional in godly community. So here's my challenge for you this morning. Join a small group. But I'm busy. I know. Me too. We're all busy. We get it. But here's the thing about busy people is that busy people and all people make time for what they prioritize. You make time for the things that you care about. If you are committed to knowing God, to knowing freedom, to knowing purpose, to making a difference, and to see other people in this community be on that process as well, then you're going to make time for it. Then you're going to commit to it. You busy people. Me too. Us busy people. <laughs> Do you have people around you right now who are going to help you know God? Do you have a community around you which will help you experience freedom? Answer that for yourself. Have you identified your purpose in Christ? Do you know what that is? Are you actively making a difference or are you just existing? I mean, I can't answer that for you. This summer we preached vision and now we're preaching the plan. We preach the vision of what we want to see in the life of every person in this community. And this is step one to the plan. It's life groups. 
It's intentional, godly relationships. It's the blueprint. Up on the screen right now, you're going to see a QR code that links to Life Group Registration Database. If you have no idea how this works, theoretically, you should be able just to hold your camera on your smartphone up to that, and it will open a link for you. This is something new that we've never done before. But essentially what we have done is we've organized all of our life groups into a simple database that all of us in here can access. Yes, you're allowed to go on your phone at this moment. If that's not working for you, go to at soulwpg on Instagram. It's the link in the bio. Or go to Soul Sanctuary Winnipeg on Facebook and it's the link that was posted last night. Very simply... Maybe go back to that just for one second. Just to, I'm, I'm looking at a couple cameras. <laughs> uh, very simply, for 13 weeks, our fall semester runs. And so the commitment that we're asking you to put forward is a 13-week commitment. We're asking you to block out 13 weeks from your calendar and to say, I'm going to try. I am tr- going to connect I am going to make this happen for 13 weeks. We've separated life groups into semester system. Yeah, let's just keep going. I mean, the Holy Spirit keys. It's good. I mean, we've separated life groups into three semesters. 13 weeks in the winter, 13 weeks in the summer, and six weeks. Or or 13 weeks in the fall, 13 in the winter, and six in the summer. Just like it says on the screen. Here's the importance of this system. Is that you can onboard and offboard without a 12-month commitment. We get it. The way that we've always run life groups is that they've been a full-year thing. And this can be overwhelming. We get it. Some of our life groups, they will very well run the same group all semester or uh, each semester all year. And that's okay. But what we've allowed time for is bringing in new groups in January. When your friends come to check out Soul in January. We're allowing for people to leave a group. Because here, I'm going to be really honest with you, it's going to take you a couple groups before you find your people. We got some weird people up in here who are not your people. All right? I mean, large scale, we're all sons and daughters of Christ. We get that. But you're just not going to relate with them. Starbucks, Tim Hortons, right? At a very basic level. We're all weird people. But it's going to take you a bit. It might take you two, three groups to find your people, and that's okay. One of the best ways I heard it put is simply, it's like, you go to one bad restaurant, doesn't mean you're not going to any restaurant again, all right? Take that to heart. You got one bad group, you know, it's awkward. No one will sell you Amway, don't worry. But you you got this happening, you're going to try another life group next semester. And we're going to make time for that. We're going to make room for that. So, today, if you need help navigating the life group interface, back at the ta- uh, back in the atrium, there's a table. Mike, Lauren, Pastor Jordan, they're all at that table. Those are people who are involved in making life groups happen in this community. They want to talk with you. They want to either help you through the database. Maybe you're sitting in here and you're inspired to lead a life group because you know that you got giftings of leadership. 
then go back, talk to Pastor Jordan. He's going to tell you what it means to be a life group leader here in this community. I'll be quite honest, is that we do need more life group leaders. We need people to rise to the bar and say, hey, I'm going I'm to help facilitate intentional community. I mean, they're even going to give you a donut if you register for a group. Uh-huh. At Soul Sanctuary, ladies and gentlemen, we believe in life groups because we believe in community. We're not punching you in a group for an analytic so that we can go to the pastor's conference and be like, we have this many people in life groups. We don't really care. We care about you. And we care about genuine community. And this is our blueprint. This is how we're making it happen. If we're going to cast vision for this community, we're going to give you the blueprint. We're going to give you the construction manual. We're in it together. We're making this thing happen. We want to see vision come to life. I mean, I want to see more people know God, know freedom, know purpose, and make a difference. I want to see that. It's a scriptural mandate. It's something that Jesus himself modeled, and it is here this morning at Soul Sanctuary that we're going to put that into practice. We're going to remember that you cannot do life alone. We're going to remember, do do not do life alone. You were created for godly community. You have a craving deep inside you for genuine relationships, and you need to be fed by other people in this community. You need to have relationships. It's not enough just to have a relationship with the pastor. I mean, not all of you can call Pastor Jerry every single night with all your problems. He's not going to answer your phone call. He hardly answers mine. But with that being said, there are people in this community who will. And that's what it's about. We're going to grow larger and we're going to grow smaller at the same time. These real relationships will begin to take root over this semester. And people in this community will take next steps in their faith that they never thought could have happened before. We as a community... We're going to experience genuine freedom and liberation from the dark and the cold of the basement. And we are going to come into the sunshine of warmth and light. And sometimes we're going to get stabbed in the front. And sometimes it's going to hurt. And there are going to be times where we have to intentionally forgive people. But it's going to be worth it. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for community. We thank you for those relationships that we have in our life that are good, that point to you, that are real, that are intentional. We thank you for all those relationships that exist, the web in this community that already is here. Lord, specifically, I pray for those who haven't experienced that yet. God, I pray for those who don't have anybody to call in the middle of the night. Lord, by the power of your spirit, would you draw them to you? And would you put people in their lives as you have put them into mine who are real, who are unashamed and unafraid to go deep? God, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for creation. We thank you for warmth and light and that we don't have to live in shackles cold, dark places. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So would you stand with me?
times of old, the one who blessed extended hands and those receiving a blessing did likewise. If you would like a blessing, it's nothing magical. It's a simple proclamation based in scripture. If you would like that this morning, would you extend your hands with me? As you go, soul sanctuary, may the spirit of God come upon you and help you understand that you were created for community and that you cannot do life alone. May you come to recognize the importance of fulfilling your God-given craving for that community. May you go and continue your journey of knowing God, knowing freedom, and knowing purpose. And may you go confidently making a difference in this world by the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Be blessed, and we will see you next week.